Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking killing, killing Me. Can you believe that we've done that a hundred fucking times? A hundred times. This is our hundredth episode. Whoa. Woo. Oh my God. Woo. Ah. Does it feel like a hundred episodes to you? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Does it feel like a hundred episodes to you? No. No. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking, we've been doing it for... It'll be three years in New Year. Three years and four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the crazy part. Yeah. But a hundred episodes. So thank you all for listening. Oh my God. Thanks for coming on this journey for us. Thanks for listening to us grow and change and become adults. Yeah. Maybe. You know, (laughs) listen to all of the episodes again. Listen to episodes... Thank you so much. Yeah, we wouldn't be here without you guys, and it means a lot to us. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, it's very nice. Um, and in doing that, because we've done 100 episodes, this is kind of like a functioning machine at this point. And because it's a machine, we also need your support. Yes. So please go to our Patreon page if you're enjoying listening, if you've been an avid listener for a really long time. Do us a favor. Share. Um, yes. Tell your friends about it. Leave us a review. If you haven't left us a review yet, please do that. It's like so helpful for us. It's helpful for um, where we stand in podcast standings, how iTunes and Spotify place us. Mm-hmm. Um, so please do that. If you are have been an avid listener for a really long time, leave us a review is the first thing we're going to ask you to do. Yep. The second thing we're going to ask you to do is go to our Patreon page. And if you can even afford $12 a year, that's all we ask. Just a dollar a month is even helpful for us to keep this going um, with our rental equipment, with other types of projects, with special things for you guys. Um, it's all really helpful. And thank you so much. Yeah. Our Patreon page is updated. All of the new tiers. We're going to be much more active on it. It's going to be something we're actually going to contribute a lot to. Yeah. And so there will be things there that you will not be able to get anywhere else. Yeah. And so there'll be different funny blooper reels. There might be sneak peeks of um, Who's new coming things. On. Yeah. There's going to be tons of information on there. And if you want more information and you love us, please go and help us out. Yeah. Um, and then this week we have illustrator and author and poet, Hannah Shafi. Yeah, she's got her new book out called Small, Broken, Kind of Dirty. We're so excited to sit down with her. She's super lovely. And we're so happy that she could join us for our 100th episode, 100. Wow. 100. All right, thank you so much. And here we go. Let's listen. Hi, my name is Hannah Shafi, also known as First Kid Art, and I'm an artist and writer. Can you remind me what the book what the book that you just wrote is called? Small Broke and Kind of Dirty. Small Broke and Kind of Dirty. Yeah. How did you get that title? Um is I so I had written most of the essays in the book at this point mm-hmm. and I had one that was like the illustration in it was of an opossum mm-hmm. and I talked about how they're like they're small and like they're dirty but I love them. Yeah. And I love myself, mm-hmm. and I'm also small, and I'm broke, and <laughs> I'm a little dirty. And I, so I was like, you know what? That seems like an appropriate title. Right. So I just like told my publisher, and I was like, would it be okay if we called it this? And they were like, yeah. 
Sweet. <laughs> I was like, okay, good, because I don't want to budge on this title. I really like it. Was it your first time working with a publisher? No, I worked with the same publisher for my first book. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, I wanted to stick with them. I liked them. I pitched the book to them and they were like super enthusiastic about it. Great. Um, like at first I didn't know if they would want to take it or if it was kind of up their alley because there was like, it was like illustrations and essays mm -hmm. and I didn't know if they were kind of interested in that kind of thing because mm -hmm. not every publisher does like every single genre. Mm -hmm. right. um, but they were like, no, it's totally like aligns with like where we're trying to go. So um, yeah, so I stuck with, with Book Hug again, which is great. What I is, like for people that don't know, what is like, what is that relationship between a writer and a publisher? Like what is the publisher there to do besides published a book does it offer editing does do they yeah offer... so they paired me with an editor okay. the editor will come from the publisher obviously you have a say in it like they'll ask you like kind of who are you leaning towards do you have someone in mind um and so they'll kind of help facilitate that um and then the other thing is obviously like manufacturing distributing printing right marketing is the big one um they will they have like a publisher has their own contacts right so they can put the word out that okay this book is coming out mm -hmm. they can message they can email basically like all the bookstores that they know right. media publications they know like hey do you have a review on this we're gonna send you a free copy that mm -hmm. kind of thing so they're they do a lot really mm -hmm. so it's very useful to have a publisher mm -hmm. like I know there is kind of more people going the self-publishing route now, mm -hmm. which there's totally nothing wrong with self-publishing. Um, but you need like a team, it sounds like, behind it, you. Yeah, like yeah. self-publishing, like it's a lot of work and it's like a high risk, high reward thing. Right. Like if you do do really well with self-publishing, you can get a lot of money. Right. You would, because like with publishing, right, you're getting a cut. Right. Yes. You could get a lot of money, but the likelihood of your book taking off and you getting a lot of money is really low. Mm -hmm. Like it's low for your, it, there's still not much of a chance for your book to take off and for you to make a lot of money, even with a publisher, mm -hmm. right? Like writing books is not this incredibly lucrative business. Right. No. I feel like right? you hear like the, the good, like the stories of like people who made a, like so much money, yeah. like the JK Rowling's, which like, Let's not even go into that. Yeah, but. we're not going to yeah, go into yeah. that. <laughs> but like, for example, like Rupi Kaur, like Rupi yeah. Kaur self-published, it got wow. huge and then it got picked up by a publisher. I think McLeod and Stewart. And yes. Like, yeah. yeah. For, for her first book. For her but first her book. Same publishers for her next two. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. she's, so that people see that and they're like, oh my God, like I what a so. dream, yeah. which is amazing. But that stuff happens like once in a generation. Right. Yes. Um, and I don't say that as a way to like, don't pursue your dream, but just like, don't go into self-publishing, assuming that that is where that path is going to take you because like that is the rarity, right? Mm -hmm. It's yes. not the, it's not the norm. So for me, it's like, okay, with publishing, okay, I'm going to make less money because I'm only going to get a percentage of the sales, right? Mm -hmm. but I'm also going to spend no money on making the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have to print it. I don't have to manufacture or distribute it. I don't have to do that work. I just have to focus on writing the book. You don't have mm -hmm. to wear the thousand hats that it's going to take. To yeah, I don't have to yeah. like email media outlets and stuff like that. Like I do try to help with my own marketing because I want the book to do well right. and I have a social media presence. So I 
try to put it out there, but like, I don't have to do all that work. I just have to write the book, right. Yeah, which is enough work. Right. <laughs> so for me, like, I like that because I don't want to do like a million things. Sounds right. very stressful. Is it's it, super stressful. Is it similar? So what I'm like listening to, it sounds like it's like a little bit comparable to when we talked with a musician about it and like mm -hmm. when music people get picked up, they're like, um, the label, the label, sorry, yeah. will like pay so much, but then eventually the musician has to like pay all that back mm -hmm. is like owed to the label. Are you like owed to the publisher no. in that sense or no? No, no. Okay. Um, you, when you have a publisher, you basically get an advance mm -hmm. and your book advance, basically you won't start making money on your book until that advance is like paid off by book sales. So um, let's say, okay, let's say like you get interesting. something like really small. Like let's say you get a thousand dollar advance. You'll start making money after like a thousand dollars in your commission has been met. Yeah. Which uh, okay. would be like, if you do, if your book is doing even half okay, like it, you would <laughs> meet that goal. A thousand dollars is not a lot. Right. Um, and then you would start making money off of your royalties basically right like, yeah you're getting 10 percent, 15 percent, whatever uh -huh. so you don't owe them any money you just don't necessarily start making it until your advances so let's say you're part of this like so for these big big publishers like penguin mm -hmm. random house and stuff like for their big authors the advance is like probably like 10 grand kind of thing like they're mm -hmm. making like you know what i mean so it would take longer for them but at, at the same time if they're paying you 10 grand it's because your book is probably going to be like huge right mm -hmm. because you're you know you're through penguin right? right so that's kind of how it works but you're never in a position where you're owing money just in a position where if your book doesn't do that well you won't get much after the advance but yeah. if your book does well then you'll get lots right of stuff. right yeah hmm. can i ask you what your advance was my advance was for this book was 2500 great yeah oh, that's which nice. is which is good it was more than my first book yeah <laughs> it was a lot more than my first book, my advance was really small. My advance was $500 in my first book. Wow. Which was like, I wasn't complaining. I had no <laughs> credentials. Like, right. I, like, yeah, I had been published in like newspapers and things like that, but I'm going to them and being like, I want to do a poetry book with illustrations. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm just me. And they're like, you know, they're taking a huge chance on you because yes. they'll lose money, right? Like you're not really going to lose money. They'll lose money. So I got five hundred dollars, and I was like, "Oh yay, five hundred dollars!" And then that did well. So then this time they're like, "Here's, Here's more, more yeah. money because we expect that you'll do even better this time." Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, "Yay, That's <laughs> so great. Um, I know I bought an AC with it. Oh, <laughs> I spent eight hundred dollars on an AC unit. I was like, "Sick! That's I have cold air in my apartment." I it was like awesome. probably June in Toronto. Fucking <laughs> needed it this year. Yeah. Oh my god, it was. I spent one year in my apartment without an AC unit. Oh. That summer, I remember I was sitting on the couch and I thought, I'm going to die here. I'm actually going to die on this couch. I was so hot. I thought, this is it. I'm dead. Like, I <laughs> will hell. not survive this. This is hell. Yeah. yeah. And my cat was, like, melted. My cat was like a puddle <laughs> on the floor. And I was like, my cats are dying. I'm dying. <laughs> I didn't like, I couldn't wear makeup that summer cause I couldn't like just putting makeup on. Oh, yeah. I felt like it was melting off my yeah. face. Oh God. I find that with the issue with bl blow drying my hair during, I like, yeah. rarely, I rarely blow dry my hair 
as it is because like I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I can blow dry it all I want. I'm not going to get any volume with it. But um, it, every once in a while I'm like, oh, maybe I can like give myself a blowout today. And then five seconds later it's gone. But I like blow dry it and then I'm like immediately sweating. Yeah. It's just too sweaty. And it's like wet again because it's sweat wet now. Yeah. It's not even like clean wet. It's not nice. It's not yeah. a nice feeling. No. See, that's what I use my very fancy advanced towards. I think it's very practical. I see. Yeah. I know. So that's thing I've so ever adult. bought. It's so adult. Yeah. I wanted to spend it on like a tattoo, but no. Spent <laughs> it on an AC. That would have been like cool because it would have been your first you were talking about your first book advance you spent it on the AC or the second? No, no, oh. my second because oh, okay. my first book advance was five hundred dollars. Right. You can't really get a good AC for five hundred dollars. No. This is a this is like a sick AC. It's like eight hundred dollar AC. <laughs> it's very modern <laughs> and it's it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool AC. <laughs> I have a question about the yeah. accolades that your first book got. Yeah. So it was made the CBC Best Poetry Books of 2018. Great. Yeah. That was pretty dope. After receiving an accolade like that, yeah. what kind of things did you see anything come from that? Did you For sure. I mean, I definitely got like the attention of more kind of like literary festivals and things like that. Cool. So with so, for example, with my first book, um, I did not get an invitation to Toronto International Festival of Authors. Okay. Which I don't mean that in a shady way. Like, they don't invite everyone. There's a lot of authors. Like, not yeah. everyone makes a cut, right? Yeah. And these are authors coming from everywhere? Everywhere. Wow. Everywhere. Okay. Um, so, I didn't make, I didn't get that. And I was like, oh, poo. Um, and then I, they ended up inviting me, like, after that to do this thing called Battle of the Bards. Okay. which is like, it's through TIFA and it's also partnered with Now Magazine. And they pick like 25, I think, poets to like compete on stage. Hmm. Um, it's it's really cool. Like you have like, I think like three minutes and like if you go like a second over, like you're just like, disqualified. Like it's like really <laughs> intense. Um, so they had invited me to that and this was like after I had like gotten that mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that helped. Um, and then like the winner would basically get like their own like, they'd be named like the number one bard um, <laughs> for that year. And then they would get invited to TIFA um, and have like their own big event. And they would get like a spread in that magazine and like all this stuff. So I didn't win and I was like, poo. Um, but the person is who won spoken is like word? amazing. No, it's, it's pushes poetry. Okay. Like it's, I mean, you can do spoken word if you're a spoken word artist, but it's, it's like any kind of so poetry. You, you read like a, a poem. You literally just like read this poem. Okay. Okay. Um, Sorry. I just was pick, like trying to figure it out. <laughs> you gotta just like pick whatever you think is awesome. At three minutes. Yeah. At three minutes. And you can read like two, I think if it's under three minutes or something like that. Um, so the person who won, she's amazing. Her name is Doyali Islam. She's super cool. Um, but I was like, Oh no, I didn't win. Like, I don't get to go to Tifa. But then they invited me for this book. So I'm doing an event with them. I'm doing a, a panel with them on the 24th. They invited so I was you like, for the second book? Yeah. Cool. So I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I get yeah. to still do an event with them. And I was like super excited to be invited. I'm actually doing two things with them. I'm doing one is a panel that's going to be um, with Lorraine McKeon, who's amazing in every way. She's an amazing author, and she was the editor of this magazine when I interned there many years ago. So I kind of see her as like a mentor. She's just like really cool. So I get to do a panel with her. And then the other thing I'm doing is Tifa is doing a collaboration with Toronto Comic Jam. And they're getting a bunch of like, uh, like author artist 
type people okay. who can draw basically to do like um, a comic, like a collaboration comic book spread. Cool. Mm. Which is super cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. I get to be part of that. I have yeah. a second question that goes yeah. along with the CBC accolades. Um, after you get something like that, is there pressure that you put on yourself or from your publisher to like maintain that kind of best of status? I think it's the pressure that I put on myself. Yeah. Like my publisher has always like, they've never been like, don't screw up because they like believe <laughs> in me and like they have faith in me. Yes. And they probably have more faith in me than I have in myself. Right. Um, otherwise, I mean, it wouldn't have allowed for a second book. And like, obviously this book most definitely cost more money for them because it's all in color. Mm-hmm. My first book was black and white. This is a full color print spread and mm-hmm. it's bigger. Yeah. So it costs more money. Um, so them agreeing to it was sort of like a, we trust you thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's more like putting the pressure on myself because I'm like, wow, I better not flop. Mm-hmm. But I mean, also I just put a book out during a pandemic. So what, are, what, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I think it's a, it would be like, it's, it's a great time. It's a great time. I yeah. feel like it's in a way it's like a great time yeah. because it is like people are reading and it is a really hopeful book. It's not sad. It's like, it's uplifting. Yeah. But I'm also like, like it also just sucks because there were things that I did with my first book that I was so looking forward to doing again particularly traveling. Like I got to go to Cal. Yeah. I got to go to Calgary for WordFest. I got to go to Vancouver for Growing Room Festival. Like those were so awesome. And now I'm just like on Zoom. (laughs) And I'm like, I hate, this is the worst. Like, I'm like, I'll do it. And like, I got like a live stream kit comes with like a light. (laughs) And I was like, let me commit to this. Yeah. But I'm like, oh. Like, yeah. I just wanted to, like, dress off and go places. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, celebrate. It, right? And celebrate. Yeah. But, I mean, I did my online launch. It went really well. I had a couple of friends over who were, like, in my bubble. And they celebrated with me, and they made it feel really special. Oh, so good. good. I'm really happy about that. Yay. Yeah. When did the illustrations – has has the illustrations always been a part of, like, your practice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to school for journalism. Yeah didn't go to school for art, went to school for journalism. And then I was like, wow, this sucks. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, like yeah. the amount of people I've, ta- I've talked to in my entire life who've gone to school for journalism and been like, wow, this is fucking terrible. Yeah, is, this is, is I would all say, of them? at least one and two. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is, this sucks so much. Um, so I was doing a lot of drawing while I was in school for journalism. And I kind of was like, I know I want to do this, but I don't really know how to go about this. Cause I feel like I don't have any art credentials mm-hmm. and like, how am I really going to take off doing art? Um, but then it, it found its way also into my writing practice. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to merge the two things, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. So yay. So how do you merge it? Like if, so you write your, the poem mm-hmm. or the essay, and then it's, you pick, how do you, I guess like how does the illustration come? Do you just, is it often just like a theme of what you wrote about? Is it a specific word? So for the, first book, the book of poetry, yeah. they, like I, I did illustrations very much as a part of the narrative okay. with the poetry. So the, the illustrations were all made for the book. Mm-hmm. With this book, I chose illustrations from my affirmation series. 
Okay. Because I, I've been doing that since 2016 and I have like over 200 of them. Right. I'm not going to include them all in the book. Yeah. So I chose what I felt were my favorite ones, were other people's favorite ones. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pair these with, with essays I'm going to write now. So for right. that, it was more like choosing existing work and then thinking about kind of what writing that inspired. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was like I was making it specifically for the book. So it's like different process, but yeah. for me, it's like I can't imagine either books without the artwork. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I feel like it would diminish it a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there is something about about reading, I find, especially with poetry, and I don't know why it is with poetry, is like seeing the visual that goes along with it. There's like something that just like I think brings the story together makes it like whole sentence. It helps a lot. I mean, poetry, I mean, let's be real. Poetry can be really dull. Yeah. It's sometimes hard to read. It's sometimes really hard to read. Like I've read some poetry before where I'm like, I don't get this and I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's a really difficult genre to do well in Mm -hmm. because poetry is just a, it's a weird medium. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much that can be a poem that almost anything can be a poem. And in that way, there's just a lot of stuff that you're like, what, what is this? Yeah. yeah. So I find illustrations tend to help ground people in the work mm-hmm. and help them maybe understand the work a bit better because poetry is very abstract and it can mm-hmm. be hard for people to be like, oh, I don't know what this is about. And so mm-hmm. sometimes illustrations like help people process mm-hmm. the, the words. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you deal or have you dealt with people that are like, this isn't poetry, this is poetry? Like the gatekeepers. Yeah, I mean, there's people like that. Like they'll be like, "Oh, you're just like an Instagram artist or like Instagram <laughs> right. writer." Or like, yeah, I just get a lot of like Instagram and like then my title, and I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> um, it's very boomer ish. Yeah, to do that. Totally. Um, like, sorry, I'm using a free platform. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Um, so there is that gatekeeping, yeah. and you see it a lot with like. There is an emergence, especially after Ruby Core's yeah. success, of young girls wanting to write poetry. Right. And there's very much like this eye roll scoff, like, oh, oh, oh like, let's not poetry, like, thing. Mm. Which I just feel like you should be happy that, like, young people want to now explore a genre that low-key died. I, well, like, I was going to say, it was, it was, it was a dead, dead yes. art form. It was, it like was very dead. And like, yeah. I know that there's a lot a of tap. like, there's I know tap. that there's a lot of like older writers who yeah. would be like super mad that I like even said that. And I'm not trying to like disrespect no, all the work they've been doing, but it was missing it generation. Poetry yeah. shelf at Indigo, I worked in Indigo for two years, is like tiny. Uh-huh. It yeah. is the tiniest part of the store. The poetry books never made it to the front table because no one gave a shit about them. Until. And it sucked. Exactly. Until Ruby Carr blew up. Yes. And she brought, and then all of a sudden people were like, oh, poetry is a thing. And I'm going to start reading all these different poets, not just her, all mm-hmm. these different poets. Yes. Now keep in mind, on if you were one of those people who still went to the poetry shelves before that time, you probably found incredible work. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it is the lowest selling genre. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that my first advance was small was because it was a poetry book. Yes. And, and was it, sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt you. Was it going to be written before or after Ruby Cora's book came out? Oh, this was way after. Way this after. was way after. I think she was already on like her second book. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But um, it also opened the doors for 
a lot of publishers to start taking in mm. racialized women who were writing poetry mm -hmm. because they were like, oh, it turns out racialized women are awesome writers, <laughs> which I guess they didn't <laughs> figure it out before. And they were like, this, there's the potential to sell. And for them, it's also a marketing point. Like they're like, we're gonna push this person like she's the next Rufy, mm -hmm. right. which of course is like problematic in a number oh, yeah. of ways. But for like a young artist trying to get published, they're like, yeah, for sure. Take me. They, take me. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you want you want the money and you want their career. Mm -hmm. Yes. But like, yeah, other than that, poetry was like a totally dying genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I volunteered at a poetry event for like a year. Um, and it was a weekly event. And I heard some like amazing, amazing work, like groundbreaking work. And then I heard some work that was just so weird, I couldn't grasp it. Mm. That's the thing with poetry. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just so extreme. Yes. Mm. A poem is either going to change your life or you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? Right. Like, and it's all subjective. Someone else might read the same thing and be like, this is, this is the meaning of life. <laughs> it's such a wild genre. Yeah. It makes no sense <laughs> at all. Uh. Right. Yeah, I don't think I read any poetry until Rupee, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't think I know a single woman who doesn't have that book. I know. Yeah, that book, it popped off. It was so good. And like, now people are like, oh, poetry. Like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think the thing, Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> the thing for me about her specifically was that, like we talked about, it can be so abstract and so obscure and mm -hmm. unreadable. Yeah. I just like got, got it, quote yeah. unquote. You know, it's like easy to sink into probably read the entire book in what not one sitting but like very yeah, quickly it's, it's easy to to digest mm -hmm. and like it definitely get opened a lot of doors right like i've i've been writing poetry since like the fourth grade okay this was a thing that i was really into as a kid <laughs> i had a poetry scrapbook it is so ugly and so embarrassing i'll never <laughs> show anyone um it's so wild like it's I spent a lot of time on this thing, like way up into high school. I, like I spent a lot of time. And I did like poetry <laughs> slams and stuff in high school. I love that. But I never thought that I would be able to do that as a career because it's just so like, I told my parents like, mm -hmm. I wanna be a poet. And they were like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then it happened. So I was like, ha, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> so that was pretty good. It was um, a good feeling. Speaking of parents. Yeah. How, you, we talked a little yeah. bit this in the emails, like your parents are seem like planners or they want you to have a yeah. plan. Yeah, my are... parents have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not a planner? I don't have a plan. <laughs> my parents have a plan. Um, they definitely wanted me to pursue like different career options. Mm -hmm. Like they were not so pleased when I wanted to go to journalism school because for them that was precarious enough to want wow. to take a job in journalism. Wow. And then they were like, okay, fine. That seems okay. Like, I hope you get a job with, like, CBC or whatever. And then, you know, partway through journalism school, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. This is the worst. This is the worst industry. I hate it. Also, like, speaking of dying industries. Yeah. Like, dying. <laughs> um, there's, like, a huge mass layoff, like, every year. Yeah. Um, Rogers loves to fire people, but <laughs> they're just into that. They really love that. Um, so... Yeah, I then they were like, okay, like maybe you can do this, and then I was like, no, like 
like I like I like I still like writing essays for different publications but uh -huh. I just like doing it on a really like whenever I want to basis whereas when I was freelancing and I was like really trying to do it for money it was just so exhausting like and and I mean like terrible pay terrible 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 pay um and I just took so many like weird writing gigs because I was so desperate like I wrote for like a tech e-magazine for a while I don't know anything about tech and I don't really know why they gave me that job. How do you write for a magazine that you don't have like a I don't know anything in? about tech. Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know why they let me write for them. What did you write? Like what kind of stuff? I would go to like these like tech like startup events and I would just like get a few quotes from someone and I guess I would like explain what their app does yeah. and then I would just be like <laughs> right. <laughs> um I went to like a couple of fintech things which is like financial tech yeah i didn't understand it um <laughs> and i mean like i hate i hate capitalism so i felt really awkward um i remember i was like talking to some of the men there and they were like millionaires and i was like um there was like free booze at every event there so, you go. so that was cool pastor um, d'oeuvres yeah yeah and i, I remember one time i went to like a pink, i went to like a ping pong tech event once there was like it was like a ping pong tournament for like people in tech and I was like this is fucking stupid but I was there the um the only really cool thing I went to was I went to a conference that was like about um wearable tech and the one I went to was this woman who participated in a Mars simulation so she was like isolated in this freaking pod with a bunch of other people for like six months. <gasps> Whoa. Because six months is how long it takes to get to Mars. Right. So they simulated one trip to Mars, basically. And they were talking about all this different tech that they came up with to like make this trip manageable. Um, and like one thing was like they're, they're trying to come up with like an exoskeleton that like astronauts can wear so that their muscles don't atrophy in space because it's like, like zero gravity. You're like yeah, not yeah. really using your muscles. That was super cool. Like that was like, this is sick. This is the future. Yeah. <laughs> and like, she was super cool and like badass and like probably one of the only like women speakers that I encountered in all the tech events I was going through because it was mostly men. Mm -hmm. um, so that was great. I remember one time though, I went to this one tech event. I don't even remember what it was about, but I think RBC like sponsored it or some shit. And I was just like talking to random people because so I was like, I gotta get some quotes, and then like a bunch of them like <laughs> gotta fill this yeah, thing I gotta fill this thing up, um, and then a bunch, them, like, a bunch of them like added me on LinkedIn, and I was like, ew, and then <laughs> and then I deleted my LinkedIn because I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I yeah. want a LinkedIn. I don't want to be this person. Yeah, oh. the LinkedIn, hate LinkedIn. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just hate yeah. it. So yeah, that was, that sucked. Freelancing. Freelancing sucked. Yeah. I did some pieces with the Torontoists before the Torontoists went uh, like right. bankrupt basically. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they pulled the funding, they didn't go bankrupt, they pulled the funding. Um, I mean same, like same. $15 oh. and uh, for per article, oh. one five. Yeah. How many words? I don't remember. Wow. It's a blur. fucking terrible. Why is the pay so bad? Like, based on, like, how long? They had no money. What? They had no money. They had no money. $15 per article, but you're expected to, like, go places and interview people. Yeah, and, and the tech magazine, I made 50 per article, which I thought was big money. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I lived with my parents. I lived with my parents. 
that is a huge part of this story. Oh, Liv was not paying rent. Oh. So was able to do articles for $15. Right. And then I was like, this sucks. I have no money. Yeah. And all like my bougie friends at the time were like always planning trips and stuff. And I was like, I can't do any of this. Right. I have zero dollars. Was it, how would your, yeah. how are your parents based on the, like you said they were planners yeah. and they clearly had this whole plan for They were life. not impressed no. with me at all. <laughs> yeah. Not impressed. Um, Cause I was just sort of like flailing about and I was like trying my best, oh, right. but it was just like, things were not working out. And then I was like, I'm going to be an artist. And they were like, no. And I was like, yes, I will. And um, I don't think they expect, expected it to take off. Yeah. They're super supportive now. I mean, it took to a degree, time. but they're like, they're proud. They're like, oh, we have a book. Woo! Like they're happy yeah. about that. But um, they did not expect my art and more creative writing career to take off. Right. And I was like, it will, it will, right. because I know it's great. And it's, mm -hmm. I'm really persistent about this and I'm going to keep going. And so they didn't think it was going to take off, but then it did. But for them, it's also kind of like, for me, it's like, oh, my career took off. But for them, it doesn't look that way because there's no big money with it. Right. There's no tangible, there's no tangible. Like it's like, yeah. they feel, okay, something takes off. You buy a house. Hmm. Right. But I'm like, for me, it's like, oh, my career is doing really well. And they're like, how? You live in a shoebox. And it's like, because I have two books out and I have this is in the yeah. such and such credentials. Things are happening. Mm -hmm. Things are in, the wheels are in motion. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's it very much differs from their plan. And I, and I think it's the same for a lot of, especially children of immigrants, because mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. want you to have a grand life. Like, mm -hmm. they came here so that you could have this great life you can have all these things that they didn't right. have right but i feel like my parents are beginning to understand that i am getting that because i'm getting to pursue the things that they were not able to mm -hmm. like i don't think my dad's dream was to work at a bank mm -hmm. like he did it because he felt you know this is what i gotta do this is mm -hmm. gonna be my life but it's like i'm getting to pursue these creative endeavors that they did not have the privilege to take those risks mm -hmm. Because in pursuing a career like this, it is risky and it requires a lot of privilege. Mm -hmm. Like if I was someone who had to support my parents financially or pay their bills mm -hmm. or they were sick and I had to care for them, I wouldn't be able to do this. So privilege is like a huge, huge part of pursuing any type of precarious creative career. Being an, that's such an interesting point. Like I never thought about that and the fact that like being an artist already is a privilege. It is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I willingly went into it knowing this is not going to make me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Like, right. am I mad about getting underpaid and screwed over and all that stuff? Of course I am. I think it's terrible. I do think I should make more money than I do. Mm. Um, and I do think society needs to value more artists, but I was also very cognizant, cognizant of the fact that it's like, okay, I could get an office job mm -hmm. and make more money, but I would absolutely hate my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use my privilege and take the other option in which I make less money, but I don't hate myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people don't have that option. They have to do the office job or the thing that they absolutely fucking hate. Right. Because they don't have that financial leeway. Yeah. They're supporting maybe kids. Right. Maybe they're supporting their parents. Like they don't have a support network. They don't yeah. have a support network. Yeah. They're drowning in debt. Yeah. So for me, I was like, I'm going to take this option. Like, it's going to suck financially, but I'm going to be really proud of the work I've done. And for me, like, I really value that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have a day job too. 
I work part-time at a gift shop. Because you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yes. But 100%. I work at a small business and my boss knows that I want to, you know, that I have these goals. So, like, I work on, like, an on-call basis. And, like, if I ever need time off for, like, a book event, like, I get it right away because I have this great understanding boss at a small business. So, for me, like, I, the pieces of the puzzle fit yeah, together. Things They're are working. working. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The pandemic sort of went... Psh- it just toppled the whole puzzle over and it kind of screwed it up. Yeah. But it's getting back on track. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's it's fine. Things are like happening. Things yeah. are happening. It's really interesting <laughs> to think about um, that choice of like, I we have privilege, so we're mm-hmm. choosing to live precariously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also interesting to think about it... Um, like geographically speaking, like I feel like that's a very like Canadian way to look at it. Like, sorry, like Canadian. It's very North American. North yeah. American, yeah. Whereas like in Europe, I would feel like that's very different. Like, I think there's a little uh, bit more um, funding, government funding of arts in Europe. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. arts, cultural heritage, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is more government priority there. Yeah. You see it in the actual landscape of most European countries. Like mm-hmm. their old buildings, their old art, it's all preserved. Yes. Over here, it's hard to find historical buildings. Mm-hmm. They all like there's also this like one, government buildings. Yeah, yeah. There's this one historical building in my neighborhood. They made it into importance. Okay. And the ceiling is from the old buildings. They're like, this ceiling is a heritage ceiling. And I'm like, this is a fucking Tim Hortons. <laughs> This is a Tim Hortons. That is like the worst cross between Canadiana yeah. and heritage I've ever heard it's of. It's so dumb. <laughs> so you see it a lot in Europe. And you see the same thing in Quebec. Quebec's mm-hmm. government puts a lot into arts and culture funding mm-hmm. because they want to preserve Quebec's culture and heritage. I did an article on this for this magazine. Mm-hmm. And that's why they produce a lot of like Quebecois movies and Quebecois TV. Yes. We don't have Ontario movies and TV, really. Mm-hmm. Unless you count, like, random shows on the CBC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, like, cultural preservation. I mean, Ford cut a bunch of arts funding. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, we're, I mean, we're all screwed. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, that's, like, a huge... So, th- that's not as prioritized here. And in, in countries where that funding is prioritized, and you see a thriving arts culture in which it's not so crazy to go and become an artist because there's all these opportunities available. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it is is geographical. Yeah, absolutely. Some cultures value this more than others. Yeah. And North American culture is like fast paced and obsessed with working and obsessed with a five day, 40 hour work week. It does not prioritize Mm -hmm. arts and culture, which is why um, society here is so miserable. Mm-hmm. Like you do see in actual statistics, they've done this work that places where arts and culture are funded and accessible to people, people are mentally happier. Mm-hmm. They're happier people. Places, for example, in the UK, I don't know if this is going to change because like Brexit and Boris Johnson and all these pieces of shit ruining everything, <laughs> but their museums are free. They're completely government mm-hmm. subsidized. So you can just go to museums for free there. That's such a big deal. It's like to 30 to, bucks to go to the fucking museum yeah. here. It's and so over crazy. there, they have like the National Art Museum, the National Gallery. It's massive. It has some of the greatest pieces of art like of all time. 
when I went to London, I went to museums because they were all free. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was amazing. I just walked, I was walking and I was like, oh no, like, I, did I steal my way in? Like, am I being a thief? <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm scared of being kicked out. And then my cousin was like, it's free, you dummy. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, People like walking to use the bathrooms. Like, yeah, it's, like, weird. it's amazing. Yeah. So, and so like, yeah, that, that does help a society thrive like hmm. people forget that arts is like one of the things that humans are unique for like mu like much respect to monkeys but they can't do art <laughs> there are some videos of some elephants doing art on youtube they're yes. cute as fuck but no offense to the elephant but i, I can do a better job <laughs> i'm not an elephant you're published i'm, you're published. I'm published the elephant's not published <laughs> Like, he can calm down with his ego because he's not published. Um, so, like, I just feel like people forget, like, art is, like, what... It's so part of, like, our humanity. And yet people are like, oh, you're an artist? And that's so yeah. weird because it's, like, like this, the disconnection between arts and entertainment. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, we all consume entertainment on a constant basis constant. in North America. Yeah. Music, podcasts, TV, yeah. what movies... But then you're like, I'm an artist. Yeah. I want to make something. Mm -hmm. There's like this huge wide. Yeah. Wide they're like, yeah. oh, why like, would you want to do that? Yeah. And I'm like, are you not like have one headphone in listening to a fucking podcast right now? Or exactly. like listening to music all the fucking time. This I is mean, all arts culture. Exactly. But it's also like so money, right? Like let's even look at right now. Um, movie theaters are open, but no theaters are open. Yeah. Like actual theaters. Yeah. So like also there's like discrepancies between like what is actually art to some people and like what to them is their level of art, right? Yeah, and they do it because they know one is a cash cow and one isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's all based on on the money. I mean, people I mean, people are on Instagram every day scrolling and consuming art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're happy to consume it for free. And then when you say actually you need to give us money for this because because we have to pay rent and we have to pay groceries, they're like are you insane? <laughs> you're a government moocher. And I'm like, for real? Like, you're consuming all my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Pinterest. Pinterest is number one place where art gets ripped off. Oh, yeah. And I love Pinterest, but everything there is stolen. <laughs> There's no credit whatsoever to any artist whose stuff is on Pinterest. Right. I speak I didn't, from experience. I didn't oh, think wow. about that. But I also love Pinterest. I have Did so many... Pinterest Did you have a issue where like your work got put on Pinterest and it wasn't? My work got put on Pinterest when my first that my one of my first affirmation pieces went viral, and that piece gets stolen so much. I've had so much of my stuff stolen, like so much. I'm constantly filing like copyright copyright claims with like. So my stuff is on Redbubble, but then there's other shops on Redbubble selling stolen stuff of mine. What's red? Can we like, sorry, just for clarity, stolen. When Stole. someone takes it from your platform. And they're selling it. Without your consent. Without my consent and they're profiting off of it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've had, like, I'm constantly like taking down, have to take down stores that are ripping my stuff off. I've had to like message so many people like, hey, please credit me. Mm -hmm. A tattoo shop in Toronto. <gasps> no logo named. Um, I mean. They There's stole, some shady tattoo shops. Yeah, yeah, they like stole pieces of my flash once for a fundraiser, and I was like, "What? This is mine." And they were like, "Oh, we just like Googled flash for this," and I was like, 
why are you Googling flash? Like you have all these artists in your shop. Why can't they draw flash? And they were, and then they were like really shady about it. Cause like, so they like apologized and I was like, okay, whatever. And then people on my Instagram were like, oh, you should pay, like you should pay Hannah. And then they like put this post up and they're like, um, we just want to thank all the artists that contributed and, you know, just for clarity, no one actually chose for his kids flash. So, um, yeah, she's not entitled to any money. And I was like, you're really going to shade me like that and say no one wants my tattoos. That's pretty rude. <gasps> Number one, I know plenty of people who asked for permission for my, for my work and got it tattooed. Yeah. Which is great. It's a wonderful feeling. Wonderful. Yeah. But I was like, oh my God, you guys really had the audacity to be shady with me after I caught you in yeah. a lie. Wow. Yeah, it's terrible. Like people are so weird. Yeah. <sighs> like just, I, it's just like, in what other field does this happen? This just outright theft. And for people to be like, I've had people say, I don't need to credit you because I found this online and your name was not attached to it. So I don't owe you anything. I've literally had people they won't say even that just to me. They fucking tag you in it? Yeah. They were like, That's oh, well, yeah, I didn't see it. And I was like, the why are you fighting with me? Yeah. This is my work. Yeah. I'm not trying to hurt you. I just want you to tag me. So right. that maybe I'll get some business from this. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's just so weird. Like the way that we've told people, okay, you're entitled to all this art, but the artist is not entitled to any quality of life. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. No. I feel like the music industry does it a lot too. They're constantly 100%. stealing from like independent, lesser known mm -hmm. artists for their own. And then they get tagged, like they get being like, oh, genius, queen, amazing. Yeah, like <laughs> you see it so much, so many yeah. times where people have been like, oh, this like major artist like sampled <clears throat> pieces of my work. Like I think yeah. that happened with um, This Is America. Oh, Charles there Gambino? was a, yeah, there was oh. like a claim from an independent artist that like some riff or something like that was like mm. stolen and like sampled and stuff. And like, I've heard this happen with so yeah. so much other music. Yeah, There's a big case where it happened, but it but it was a big one and they got caught, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> Ghost, the Ghostbusters theme song <laughs> was stolen from Huey Lewis in the news and, and they sued them. That. They fully sued them. Of course they should. And I was like, that's so funny. Like you just stole from this really popular band for a blockbuster film. The audacity. The yeah. audacity. Don't give, they just like, don't give a shit. No, it's just like, nobody cares. Really nobody cares. Don't give a shit. <laughs> I was like, that's so ballsy. Let's pay you money. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But like we all are still listening to the Ghostbusters theme song, and loving it. Yeah, and and the guys in Huey Lewis and News are like, <laughs> they're just like raging. They're still mad, probably. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, oh God. I want to talk about this affirmation series. You yeah, have. it's on Instagram. It's on Instagram, right? yeah. Yeah. So you post an aff affirmation every morning or every day. Every week. Oh, every week. Sorry. Once a week. Once yeah. a week. I thought it was every. Sorry, I must have read that wrong. Um, once a week. So how did that get started? So I started it in um, March 2016. Mm -hmm. I was making really, really, really different art back then. Like I was making a lot of like hyper detailed, like like portraits and like weird shit. Like mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. Just like weird shit. <laughs> um, and I was like, 
and I was like really depressed in my own life. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I just need to like make, like, I just want to make things that are nice right now. Like, mm -hmm. I just need that. I need just something nice mm -hmm. and kind. And then I also, at the time too, was like the Gomeshi trial was happening. Mm -hmm. The what, sorry? The Gomeshi trial. Okay. And I was kind of seeing just all the news of like what was happening to survivors at the time and, mm -hmm. and the women in the trial. And I was like, oh my God, they're getting treated horribly. And like survivors need like powerful work right now. Mm -hmm. So I came out with like a few pieces that were like, just about like believing survivors. Mm -hmm. And people responded to them really well. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I went to the courts because at the time too, there was another trial going on that was receiving less coverage because it wasn't as, you know, Gomeshi, big fancy thing, but mm -hmm. um, it was um, Mandy Gray had taken her rapist to court, mm -hmm. um, which I guess I have to say alleged for legal purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was found guilty, but then it was overturned. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, well, it was like appealed right. on some, I don't know, some basis, whatever. But I, I went because I wanted to support Mandy. Um, and I went on the day of the actual like hearing, like the sentencing and everything. Wow. Um, and I brought like stickers of the of my little affirmations that said like believing survivors. And I just like gave them to like everyone that was there to support her and like gave a bunch to her. Mm -hmm. Cause I was just like, I just want to like do something nice and mm -hmm. this sucks and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like after that I was like, wow, this made people feel good. And like it made me feel good. Like I want to make more of these. So I started making more and then I made the Healing Is Not Linear one in April of 2016. And it popped off, mm -hmm. like it went completely viral. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, I was like, this was unexpected. I did not sign my name on the piece because I did not think that it was gonna go so far, but it did. Um, and then I was like, okay, like I, I'm gonna make this like a legit series. Like I'm gonna commit to this. Mm -hmm. So then I started doing affirmations two times a week and they were getting bigger and bigger. And then I was like, oh, I can't keep this up. I'm gonna mm -hmm. do it once a week. And I've been doing it ever since. Wow. And for four years now, over four years, Wow. Um, have been doing it probably coming close to five years now. March wow. 2021 will be five years. So, yeah, like it's people really value the series and I really value it. Mm -hmm. um, and my art and writing career probably would not have gotten as big without it. So pluses everywhere. Right. It's a long time to commit to a series. Yeah, it's a long time. Wow. How long or how has it changed? Um... Besides, my like, art? going from once a week to twice a week. I mean, yeah, like, my art style has changed. Like, you yeah. can see a progression in the art. You can see the art getting better, hopefully. Like, <laughs> hopefully every year it starts to look a little better. Mm -hmm. um, and some of, like, you know, in the beginning, some of the messages were really simple. And mm -hmm. um, then they, I wanted to start making them also, I mean, they've always been overtly political, but I also wanted to, like, push that more and, like, do mm -hmm. more political messages, do things that were more topical and timely based on, you know, whatever was happening in the world at the time. Mm -hmm. Like obviously with the pandemic, I did a few affirmations specifically about surviving the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's kind of, it's changed over over the years, but at the core, it's also like still just the same. It's, yeah. it's an affirmation series and that's what it is. And it it's just meant to make people feel better mm. or just to feel seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is nice. How has it helped you? Um, I mean, it's helped me feel good about my art. It's helped me feel 
it's helped me like in terms of just in terms of my mental health it's helped yeah. me it's very therapeutic to make um and it's therapeutic to put out for others to receive um and then obviously the series has done really well and it's been successful which meant for me I was able to do like art fairs and print them and people would buy my prints and mm. I got you know a lot of um women's centers like women's shelters or sexual health support centers and those kinds of institutions mm -hmm. noticed the art started commissioning their own works mm -hmm. so i got a lot of commissions because of that um, from universities or different institutions that <clears throat> wanted to put out artwork to help their clients their students whatever um, it's in a lot of therapist offices I've, i have heard from a lot of people that they want to see a therapist and some on the wall and i'm like that's pretty neat um, so yeah it's it's pretty cool seeing how it's taken off. That's Unexpected. Yeah. We have to ask you, is being an artist fucking killing you? Yeah. It's <laughs> killing me. Yeah. I, um, how so? <laughs> I just need more money. Yeah. Like we live in a society where money is health. Yeah. Money. Like I'm not saying that you can be rich and, and not dealing with, issues like you got issues for sure regardless of money but like money is health like would i be mentally healthier if i had a larger living space yes would i be mentally healthier if i had access to green space on the regular like natural space so a balcony a backyard a fucking cottage sure thing i'd be mentally healthier <laughs> um cleaner air yeah. less noise pollution of course i would be healthier um would I be healthier and happier if I didn't have to worry about bills? If I didn't mm -hmm. have to worry about what if my cat gets sick and I have to pay for surgery again? Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Like, that is just the fact of the matter. Like, we don't live, we live in a, in a, in a horribly expensive city. Like, yes, I'd feel better if my rent was lower. Mm -hmm. Or if I, you know what I mean? Like, these things your financial status is so tied to your your mental and physical health yeah i mean also just like working your ass off and hustling and having all these side gigs to make money yeah physically deteriorates you yes you know mm -hmm. like for example i when i do my art i'm always hunched over so i've been getting a lot of neck and shoulder pain now mm. and i would love to book a massage I would love to have like a monthly massage just to work out the kinks mm -hmm. in my shoulder and my neck and my hands from drying, but I can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that's covered by OHIP, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, you would think, oh, that's so you want a massage every month? It's like, yeah, cause my neck hurts. Yeah. I'm making I use this my body. Art. I use my body and my yeah. art. People act like, oh, like there's this really like anti-sex worker sentiment of like sex workers sell their body. If you work anywhere, you are selling your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like people act like sex workers are the only people using their body for their work. We are all using our bodies for our work. What about our people getting are... those weird fucking desks that are yeah. like standing? That's why are you getting that desk? It's because your body hurts. It's because your body hurts. Yes. Yeah. We're all having our bodies exploited by labor. Mm -hmm. yes. You know? Um, and so, yeah, like I love being an artist and I don't want to stop being an artist, but my being an artist is killing me because there is not enough social safety nets and supports mm -hmm. in our society for just average people, not just artists, but like service workers, retail workers. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
There's a reason I also work retail. I need the money, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, even right now, in the literal sense, like I'm taking transit to work and being told to,、um, oh, don't associate with people other than in your household. Yeah. But my work is open.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're not an essential business. We sell cards and gifts, and I'm on transit. So it's like, right now, people who are doing that kind of labor, their labor is quite literally killing them. Yes, because there are people getting sick and exposed at work. I mean, I'm lucky. I, I you know have a great boss. She really cares about us. Like we have very strict guidelines in our business. Like,、mm-hmm. you know, we don't have that many people in the store. It's not like a Walmart. Yeah. Freshco kind of situation. Ugh,、yeah. So you know, obviously with a smaller business, like there's, I'm a lot safer.、Mm-hmm. But it's like when we talk about like frontline workers and like thanking frontline workers, like their job is killing them.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the government is allowing their job to kill them.、Mm-hmm. So、yeah. it's like, yeah, definitely,、um, labor is deteriorating in many ways. Yeah,、mm-hmm. but I don't want to stop being an artist because I love it. I love <laughs> the work I do. I think it's super important. I have to remind myself that the work I do is extremely、mm-hmm. important work yeah, to do.、Is. Yeah, I'm like this is my life's purpose. I must do.、Mm-hmm. But also, I would love to have money as well. <laughs> yeah, of course, that would be nice. Right. Yeah, I know the like the contradictory regulations that are being put in place right now.、Yeah. And the actions that they're asking the individuals to do are fucking mind. You're sending people mixed signals. Like、yes. I'm seeing people in restaurants eating, and I'm thinking, oh fuck, you're crazy. You're in a restaurant right now eating. This is a scary time. How can you just be chilling? But then I have to realize that there, our government is telling them, no, you can do that. Right. But、mm-hmm. then also saying, why are cases going up? Right. It's like, but also don't go get tested, and we're not going to let you go get tested、yeah. unless you're a priority. But also. The lineup to get tested at shoppers is three weeks long. Yeah, yeah. So like, and, it, and you can't、time. do asymptomatic、yeah. testing. Yeah,、no. but and you can go to casinos and you can go to gyms,、mm-hmm. but also don't see anyone. I'm、right. supposed to go to an apple orchard for my birthday. Yeah, an Airbnb trip to an apple orchard. How magical, right? Fall <gasps> birthday, amazing. It's in. It was supposed to be like a week from now. You're not going anywhere. It. They canceled、yeah. it. Did Airbnb cancel or you canceled it? We have to cancel it because it was six of us. Um, and we were like, okay, fuck, like there's some new regulations, like、mm. government, and so we had like two days until a refund. Yeah. So we we're like, oh, we can either wait and maybe try to go, yeah, or potentially lose all our money or get all,、mm. all of our money back. So we had to cancel it, and I'm sad. That sucks. Apple、mm. working. I saw a really funny.、Um, speaking of like sex workers and like that,、yeah. I saw a really funny.、Um, <laughs> I think it was on. Not Zanzibar,、mm-hmm. Rasrael maybe, or no, it must have been Zanzibar because it's like right outside、yeah. where I work. <laughs> and I like walked by it, and on the it usually says like show tonight. Yeah, and it's <laughs> uh, sorry, I guess or so sorry, everyone has their clothes on. I guess we're just a restaurant now. Wall. <laughs> <laughs> How perfect! They really don't give a shit. Oh, that's great. It's great. Oh man, people shamed Rasrael so much when there was like that. Yeah. There was an outbreak there, like well, potential COVID yeah, exposure yeah. outbreak, whatever. Yeah.、Um, and people were like, "Oh, strip club!" Oh, I'm like, "Stop、COVID's- being an asshole!" Like,、yeah. I saw so many comments about that. COVID's not the worst thing you're gonna get from a strip club. I was like, "No, what it, the fuck like, is wrong with you people?" Like, first of all, what the fuck is wrong with you? Second, yes, COVID is the worst thing you can get from a strip club. Yeah. Like, stop the stigma on STIs. Okay,、yeah. relax. Like, 
Yeah. People have shit happening to yeah. your genitals. Also, everybody has it. HPV. Everyone just has that. HPV. Everyone <laughs> yeah. has HPV. I remember You can I thank your university for that. You paid for it. I literally <laughs> talked to a friend of mine who was like a birth control counselor with mm. Planned Parenthood for a while. And I was like talking to her about HPV because um, I had because I had to get like a biopsy done. Yeah. Mm. So scary, but I was fine, but it, it fucking hurt. Yeah. Um, and oh, she yeah. was like, and she was like explaining to me like, like a mom, she was like, this is what HPV is. And like talking to the whole thing. And I was like, so everyone has HPV? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, whoa. Um, and then I like went and I told all my friends and I'm like spreading information. Yeah. And I felt so aware. Everybody yeah. should get the vaccine, men and yeah. women. Yeah. Everyone should get Everybody, it. Everybody, every human should get the, the vaccine. Yeah. So important. So important. But yeah, people were like, oh, stripper getting COVID. And it's like, it's not funny. She's doing yeah. her job and she got COVID. Right. That yeah. fucking sucks. The weird shame that's going around for people that are getting sick or yeah, yeah. is fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. Like I get it. Yeah. There's anti-maskers and you don't give a shit if they get sick. Cause yeah, I they're being don't done. get, I don't fucking care about anti-maskers mm. cause they're assholes. But I'm not going to be like, if someone gets sick, I'm not going to be like, serves you right, loser. If like yeah. someone who was legitimately like doing their job yeah. Yeah. got sick. Like, yeah, it's one thing if you go to like an anti-mask party and you get sick, then like, okay, mm-hmm. that's your lot in yeah. life, I guess. That's what you chose. Yeah. You wanted to go to an anti-mask party on the beach <laughs> that got attacked by chainsaws? Like that, oh, I guess that's, that's what so you want to do. But it's like, if you're just doing your job and then people are like, Oh, like stripper or waitress yeah. got sick. <laughs> like, no wonder. High risk. Yeah, and it's like high risk to do your job. Yeah. Right. You're privileged enough that you can work from home. Yeah. For like, months and months and months. And you have a salary you, yeah. and benefits still. Yeah. Like, how can you sneer at people who still have to be outside? Like, I had someone yeah. tell me, like, is there an easier way you can get to work other than taking transit? And oh, I was like, that pisses me off when people say that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can wake up two hours early and fucking hike to work yeah are you paying <laughs> no, me for that hike yeah. i don't want to do that i'm on my feet all yeah. day at work yes ridiculous people yeah. are so stupid Ugh. Ugh. well I'm thank gonna... you so much for yeah. everything i'm gonna ride yeah. my bike until it snows yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um where can you go buy your book uh, you can purchase my book at indigo Ooh. Ooh, and... girl. yeah that's right it's <laughs> up with the big boys Um, or if you were in Toronto, perhaps go to a wonderful local bookstore like Glad Day Bookshop. (gasps) Yay, Glad Day. Love Glad Day. I'm at Glad Day Bookshop. And I think, um, I'm probably most likely at some other, I I think I'm at Queen Books probably. Cool. Check out your local store. Yeah. Can they buy it directly from your website? You can buy it directly from BookHug's site. You can support the publisher straight up buy it from book hug mm. they're awesome and oh um, um we're getting some copies of my work outer layer you can come <gasps> to my work that's where, work. that's where i work you I can come to my work you can buy it you can say hello to me maybe bring me some donuts yes. or some other snacks Yay. <laughs> yeah if people want to find you on instagram where can they go they can find me at frizz kid art frizz like frizzy hair <laughs> frizz kid art yay yay thank you so much yay. Thank you, Anna. Yeah. <laughs> um thank you guys for listening so much if you have any questions want to let us know what you thought please leave us a review leave us a rating thank you all and we'll talk soon